Hello and welcome back. This is Penny Sansevieri and Amy Cornell of Author Marketing Experts. And this is the Book Marketing Tips and Authors Success Podcast. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So this is part two of our blogger pitching, and then we're going to cover media um, in a in another in another segment. Episode nine was specific about finding specifically about finding the right bloggers to pitch your book, and today we're going to talk about the pitch specifically the blogger pitching um, and the importance. We're going to talk about the importance of brevity in your pitch because that's just so important. And Amy does a lot of our um, pitches and, and Amy, can you talk a little bit about some of the pitches that you've seen? I mean, maybe the not great pitches, maybe we, we kind of start there. That kind of stood out to you? Yeah, I would definitely say, and you always talk about this, Penny, burying the lead. You know, you want to kick off with something that they absolutely can't ignore. And this is one thing that I put in the assessments a lot that we talked about on the last episode, is that you can't assume that you'll get any more than a couple seconds of somebody's time in anything that you're doing. So you can't send a pitch and assume that they will take the time to read more than maybe the first one or two sentences. And imagine if that's all you get, have you really put something together that's going to convince them to keep reading? You know, that should be your marker. That should be how you assess yourself when you're putting together your pitch. Yeah, that's a really good, that's a, that's a really good point. You yeah. know, one, one of the things that I want to mention that I want to draw attention to is what you said is bury the lead. So a lot of, so it's, it's in our nature as authors to want to bury the, 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 the big arc of the story, right? To, be, to bury the big finale. We want to leave that for the end of the pitch. But in order to get more, and this is whether you're pitching media or whether you're pitching bloggers, regardless, you've got to lead with the elevator pitch. You've got to lead with the piece that is going to make me say, oh my gosh, I have to read this book. Yes. Um, it, it, because otherwise, why would they even bother? You know, most people aren't going to get to the end of, you know, many people aren't going to get to the end of the pitch if you don't lead in with something really exciting. I agree. And another thing that I caution authors against is just repeating what they can already get on Amazon, because realistically, they're going to check out your book on Amazon if it's out already, you know, or they're going to check out your book on your website. So really don't repeat yourself. Like that's, that's kind of insulting, honestly. It's like, oh, here, I want you to read this twice because right. I couldn't come up with something any more clever. So it's right. like, you know, don't do that. Don't repeat what they can find on Amazon. And if you're tapped for ideas, then, hey, keep it a little bit shorter and just keep that elevator pitch in there. And then, you know, think of this as kind of the insider's introduction to your book. Like, think about it that way. Don't give them something that they can already get on their own, you know? So especially as the author, give them that kind of insider flavor that only you can offer. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, one of the things that this is kind of a weird thing, but I get pitches for books, even though I'm not, uh, I'm not a book reviewer, right? In all your free time. Yeah. In all my free time. Right. So, so I'll get these pitches and they are so long and I don't really have the time to get back to write the author back and say, you know, you need to shorten that because I don't want to be coaching like everybody in email because we have clients and we have, you know, existing campaigns that we're working on, et cetera. But sometimes these pitches, Amy, they're two pages long. Yeah. It's a problem. (laughs) 
it's a problem, right? I mean, so you've got to keep this because um, I'll never read these. I'll never read these pitches. Right. And I think that's something also that it's so easy to get close, too close to your own work. Yes. I mean, Penny, even when you put books out, like how many eyes go on your descriptions and, you know, everything that we put out there when you release a book, you know, nothing should be done in a vacuum. So if you're not hiring anybody to officially work with you, tap into your author network, somebody that you trust will be honest with you and get their eyes on it to give you some feedback as well. Uh, this happens a lot, you know, with the, with our clients because they get so close to their own work when we, you know, float the pitch past them so they can kind of see what we're starting to work with. A lot of times their instinct is to cram in a bunch of other stuff that, you know, they're really proud of or that they feel is really important. And because they've worked so hard, you know, on this book and everything that they put into it, but that really doesn't translate to the person you're presenting it to that knows nothing about your book from the start. You know what I mean? It's, it's more about, you know, that's, that's a good example of getting too close to your own work, trying to cram everything in because you're so proud of it. And we totally get that, but that's why you need a second set of eyes, whether it's a professional set of eyes or at least somebody that is in your author network that can be honest with you about, you know, ways you can improve your pitch. Right, exactly. And that's as, this is where it really comes down to the elevator pitch, right? So the one element of your book that everything else anchors to um, and staying very focused on that because honestly, nothing else matters other than that anchor point. And that anchor point is what you're going to put in that pitch. And I'll give you some examples in a second, but there's an old newspaper term called above the fold, right? Which essentially means that whatever is above the fold is the thing that gets read. And if you're, if you're reading a print newspaper and it's sitting on your desk, you're going to look at the stuff that is in the headline and, you know, maybe you'll read down the page, but the assumption is that most people won't. So when you're creating a pitch, keep it super short. And, and like I said, start with an elevator pitch and, you know, a couple of pitches that we've done that have been, um, that have been successful over the years. One of them, um, was the, and was about a book about, uh, how important it is to have raise kids with humor. So humor in children. So, there were a lot of other elements in this book. Believe me, it was a great book. There was a lot of other psychology stuff and all of this other parenting stuff that, that, that parents really loved this book. But the pitch essentially, or the elevator pitch was, you know, give your kids the gift of laughter. And it was a holiday season that we pitched it. So it was give your kids the gift of laughter this holiday season. And it was, it, it, that is interestingly interesting enough that it got requests, yet it's short enough that you don't start to sort of glaze over, right? right. <laughs> yes. You know, um, and I was working, we're working with this one author and we've worked with him through multiple books and I spent some time on the phone with him and we were talking about his book, which is called Wistwood, which y'all should go out and buy because it's really scary and it's so fun. Um, I don't know if you actually can say scary and fun in the same sentence, but it's really <laughs> very sort of like Stephen King-ish. But so we're I was talking to this author and we were talking through his elevator pitch. And I said to him, I said, okay, so what one element of, because he, he was writing his, he was, he wanted to write his own, he wanted, he was putting this stuff out in social media and he said, you know, I feel a little scattered and I really need some focus, et cetera. So I said, what's the one element that your book would not, would not exist without? And he said, Wistwood, right? And which is the town. 
So he came up with this really cool pitch, one tormented guy looking for a fresh start, one charming little town hungry for his pain, Wistwood, if you can get there, it already owns you. And I just got chills when he said that to me. I'm like, that's it. That's your, that's now your elevator pitch. And if these kinds of books are your bag, you're going to listen to this elevator pitch and go, I have to read this book, you know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so talk, go ahead. Sorry. I, I cut you off. No. Well, I love this now because, okay, so we've got the elevator pitch element down and that is what you need to ensure you grab them with at the top. But then what about subjects? Email subjects. Oh yeah. So one of the things, one of the most important things um, with a pitch. So when I put together, so when, when we write a pitch for a book, um, I then dissect that when I'm pitching in an email. And what I'll do is I want to make sure that the email subject, so there are two things that are critically important. It's the preview pane, right? The preview, uh, email preview, and the subject line. So just assume that many bloggers are reading their email on their phone. And they're probably, they probably have a preview set up to preview. Never start your pitch with dear such and such, right? start your pitch off with your elevator pitch. So like when I'm pitching Wistwood, I'm starting it off with the war one tormented guy because I think that's just fantastic. Right. And then I'm going into dear such and such, and then I'm going into the pitch, but the subject line is also really important. The subject line has to get people's attention. Right. So don't put in your subject line, Oh, review request or, you know, would you review my book or something like that? Cause that just sounds oh, yeah. Review request for new thriller. It's like, Oh, one of the 4,000 that was published yesterday. You know? right. <laughs> it's like, that's not interesting. Right. Exactly. So we spend, I mean, you know, I know Amy, when she does pitches, she spends a lot of time agonizing over the email subject line because we know that some bloggers live and die by that. Understandably. I do in my personal life, in my inbox. I will tell you 100% that the emails I open first are the ones with subject lines that are both relevant and interesting and have something to offer me right away. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's where when you're spending time on putting your pitch together, spend a lot of time on that email subject line and, and change your email subject line depending on who you're pitching. So if you're pitching you know, subgenres of your book, your email subject line may not stay the same. In fact, in most cases, it's probably going to change. That's very true. Yes. And I will say that's another, you know, we discussed in the show just before this about finding the right people to pitch to. That's another element that sometimes they get specific about that's worth paying attention to. It doesn't mean you shouldn't come up with something clever, but sometimes they like you to lead off your email subject with something so they know a file or because some of these bloggers handle a lot of different things on their sites, you know? So if you do have a book, they may want you to lead with something specific in your subject line about the book and you can still use what you came up with. But definitely that's another detail that some bloggers will use to immediately say, I'll consider it or they weren't paying attention. Right, exactly. And what about, so for nonfiction, because we get this a lot for our nonfiction authors, is they're pitching multiple markets. Um, what, what do you, what about pitches for multiple markets? I mean, do you, are you doing, are you creating all new pitches or what are you doing for that? 
Well, I think you, I, we always try to start with, because typically, you know, if you're doing it right, you kind of hit that sweet spot where you've got that great elevator pitch you've tapped into, like you said, Penny, that one thing that sets your book apart, right. that it wouldn't exist without. I mean, especially for nonfiction, you know, that's whatever you're trying to be a thought leader in that subject for. And so what you do from there is you really have to then, you know, focus on what you're offering. So this is very important. It's kind of like sending a podcast a request for a book review. You know, that's, you know, that's not typically what a nonfiction topic podcast would cover. You know, if you're pitching business podcasts, you know, small business owners, something like that, they're not going to sit there on their podcast and review your book. So it sounds like a basic element, but be really smart about what you're asking of them. You know, make sure you let them know, like, I would love to chat with you about X, Y, and Z. And you really want to customize what you can offer to their unique audience. So even though, yes, you wrote a book about, you know, running a small business, that doesn't mean that every single website and podcast, regional magazine, a trade publication, it doesn't mean that every single one of them is going to focus on delivering the exact same content. And so understanding what their followers and readers go to them for and making sure you fit that mold is incredibly important. And it's not that hard to do. A lot of times, Penny, it's just those first couple, you know, sentences at the top that really lets them know, like, I know what you need, and this is why my book fits the bill. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, a, you know, and because we know, I used to joke that, that in order for, you know, you really have to kind of dig rejection in order to be... <laughs> To, to be a book publicist because you get a lot of no's, you get more no's and you get yeses. And I think that's just, that's just part of the industry. But if you are somebody as an author that hates getting no's or just doesn't hear, and that's the other thing too, is that if they don't want your pitch, you're just, they're just not going to write you back and go, yeah, I didn't like it for these reasons. You're just not going to hear from them. So the more that you can customize, the more that you can customize, um, which goes beyond even um, some of the things that we talked about now, but the more that you can customize every single element of everything that you're doing in your pitching, whether it's bloggers or media, the more reviews, the more requests that you're going to get. And um, I want, I want to share a little tip about something, an experiment that I did aside from the custom subject line and using the elevator pitch. Ooh, what is it? Well, so a few years ago, I was, we, we've tested this one particular book a lot. And if you've been to any of my classes and you've read any of our blogs, you know who this author is, but we've tested this author for a lot of different kind of, so a lot of different things that we do. Um, and anything that we offer to our clients as our marketing strategies is always tested first, like our Amazon ads and et cetera. So in this case, I thought, you know, she was right out of the gate, brand new author. I said, you know, I want to try something. So I set up a, a dummy email account for her and I started pitching bloggers as her. So somebody that nobody knows, no social media platform, no nothing. But what I did with these bloggers is I got really personal and I went onto their blogs and I said, um, I found little details of things that they shared, right? So for example, this one blogger got a new dog named Library. And so one of the first things that I said is, dear such and such, I love the pictures of your new puppy library. And I especially love the name. And I, I did this as many times as I possibly could. In some cases, they didn't share anything really personal, but I mentioned a book review that they did or something like that. 
And that personal connection netted me an 80% return on the review requests that I got um, for this particular author. So this is another reason why I say take the time, take the, don't just blanket, and I know it sounds like a lot of work, but trust me, the return on investment is, and that the investment of your time is so much better the more that you can get, um, to, that you can make that personal connection. Oh, that's brilliant. It's so true. And that's why, you know, in the last show we were saying, don't get overly excited about developing a list of a hundred people you need to reach out to this month because right. you're not going to have time to make that personal connection with a hundred people. You know, this is, this is a long-term plan. This is a long game. It really will serve you better. You know, like you said, to make that personal connection, let them know exactly why your book is the perfect fit for the people they are already catering to. So not just them because they want followers. You know, they want more people signing up for their new newsletters. They want people reading their blog posts. They want people engaging with them on social media. And part of their engagement is making sure they're sharing quality content. So you have to remember that you need to be an asset to them, you know, not just cater to like, Oh, I know they like this. Go a step farther and think about what their followers also need from you as well. Right. Exactly. I think that's, that's very true. It is really about, and then, you know, what happens if you, if you're taking the time to run this process correctly, what happens is, is the next time that you publish a book, um, you know, and oh, hopefully it's in the same genre and your, you know, your work is not as extensive as the first time. So you're not having to, you know, hopefully you've kept up your relationship with these bloggers and they remember you. And that the second and third and fourth time and fifth time that you publish a book, it becomes that much easier. So there is a lot, you know, books are very, I always tell authors this, books are very front loaded, right? They're front loaded with the work that you invest in putting the book together and the cover and now the pitching. And it is a lot of tedious work, but I'll tell you something, the difference between authors and Amy talks about this, um, you know, we've talked about this in the assessments that she does for our folks. Sometimes the difference between the successful author and the not successful author is really just one thing. Oh yeah, it really, it's very true. It's the details you know, the details speak to your brand and it speaks to who you are and what you have to offer. I mean, details should never be skipped. And, you know, details are free. Of all the things that you can <laughs> spend money on and invest in, details are 100% free. So it, it's really silly to leave the opportunity to create that detailed impression, that detailed networking, that detailed aspect of your brand. To not cover of those is just you're not doing yourself justice or your book. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And you know, one of the, the authors that we've worked with who are just, uh, you know, great book promoters on their own, but still have decided to, you know, to engage a, a marketing firm. One of the things that you notice is that, as a matter of fact, I talked to one of our authors yesterday and she is, she's coming out now with her third book, which we're so excited to work with her again. And I'll tell you something, the detail that she invests in her brand and what she's doing and all of this, it, it makes a huge difference as opposed to, you know, just throwing a bunch of stuff out there and kind of hoping that, <laughs> hoping that some of it sells. Right. Exactly. So I want to thank you so much for, for sitting with us 
for these two specific blogger pitching episodes. I hope this has been helpful. I want to just mention again, we love reviews. Please, please, please review, share this podcast. If you found it helpful, hopefully one of your other um, writer friends will find it helpful. And we are going to offer a $50 off discount to the Why Aren't You Selling More Books assessment, which are, Amy loves those. Once again, (laughs) throw me a bone, people. (laughs) (laughs) She loves doing these assessments and she's so good at them. And we'll include the link and the promo code in the show notes, as well as some other fun things. But thank you so much for tuning in. This is Penny Sansevier and Amy Cornell, and we are so pleased to have you um, to have you listen to this podcast. We hope you enjoy it and spread the word. Good luck with your promotion. Bye-bye. <laughs>